Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to Voices from the Real World. Profile Theater is a theater company located in Portland, Oregon. Profile Theater centers the season around a season-long featured writer. Our best artists help us see. And at Profile, each year, we use a different writer's unique perspective as a lens that helps us see our shared world in new and surprising ways. Community Profile is an affinity space built around the structure of a free writing workshop. Participants in Community Profile meet, write, support, share, and bear witness to other people who may have walked a mile in their shoes. In Community Profile, we feature writers who have won awards and had numerous books published, as well as writers who are making their first foray into expressing themselves on paper. The result is writing that is singularly personal, provocative, powerful, moving, funny, tragic, beautiful, and that encapsulates the entirety of the human experience. What this podcast does is give those writers, those creators, a chance to share their life stories and their writing in a public forum so that we can celebrate and appreciate victories that have been won and challenges that have been overcome by people whose lives you may recognize or be experiencing for the very first time. Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to Voices from the Real World. I am your host, Bobby Bermea. And I am here today with um, a, a unique person in the community profile biosphere because Jessica is one of the uh, like two or three people that I can think of who is part of more than one cohort. Because mm-hmm. um, you did both the... Did you do three? I did three. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was part of the first one. Mm-hmm. I believe it was the first one with veterans and families of veterans. And then I was part of Unconditional, which was a show that Ping Chong, Ping Chong and Company uh, was right. commissioned to do. Sarah. Right. Yeah. yeah Sarah's out and um, amazing folks on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the queer cohort as well. As well. Right. Um, so safe to say you like community profile. I do. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's working for you. And I'm, and I'm so glad to hear it. Um, and so, but you know, it's funny. Like I've, so I've like known you for a while and mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, we connect and I've always thought you were cool, but I actually don't know a whole lot about you. It's a secret. Right. <laughs> right. Really not. Really Jessica not. <laughs> mystery. No. Um, so I guess start off like, where are you from? So, um, originally I'm from the Midwest and then I moved to Arizona, was there for about 30 years, uh, San Diego, a couple of years. And I've been here about nine years. Midwest, like Ohio or Midwest, like Minnesota? Oh, like Illinois, gotcha. Northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Arizona for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? Uh, <laughs> uh, I was 10 and my family moved there and we moved to Lake Havasu, Arizona. It's pretty different. Very different. <clears throat> it was a bit of a culture shock to say mm-hmm. the least. Um, but I grew up there from 10 to about, I believe I left when I was 16. Um, and, uh, then I moved to Phoenix. No, sorry. I moved to Tucson. Then I moved to Phoenix um, and stayed there for many, many years. Tucson is an extraordinary place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I was a little like because uh, my sister lived there briefly and my best friend. And I was a little surprised when I first got there that it had ever been settled because <laughs> there was no water. Right. Like, <laughs> like, why would people stay here? 
<laughs> you know, but it was gorgeous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I, um, Phoenix is the same way. Like, a lot of people are like, why? And what cracks me up about Phoenix is there are so many golf courses. You would not think about that in the desert. Um, but there are a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's funny because the, the, the heat there is... Uh, actually like remarkable yes <laughs> you know? yes you know? yes very much so it's funny i've been working with this theater company lately and we go there periodically and um for whatever we had to stretch there we were going there in june oh i'm sorry you know and it was just like uh when we were landing in the airplane at nine o'clock at night it was 114 <laughs> yeah i was like whoa where have we come to you know <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. The town that I spent my teenage years in was regularly over 120 in the summer. Still is. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that's hot everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You know that 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 you know that, that gets respect everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's nothing. Oh no, that's not that's not that hot. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah. 120. Everybody's gonna be like, okay, that's respectable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Um. Uh. So when did so when did you leave Arizona? Um, I left in 20, I believe it was 2012. Um, I had come into an inheritance and I was, I hadn't had a vacation and I had two kids and I was like, I want to take you guys on a vacation. Where do people go for vacation? In Phoenix, you go to San Diego. So we went to San Diego, spent a week, had a blast, went, why did I live in the desert for 30 years? Right. And moved to San Diego within six months. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, San Diego was much different than... Yeah, yeah. Um, it. I found out I am not so much a SoCal girl. Um, I tried. <laughs> um, it just was a different vibe artistically. I was used to uh, very much an underground scene um, where we did a lot of sort of guerrilla-type performances and, um, you know, did performances at laundromats with punk shows and <laughs> that kind of thing. And then I went to San Diego and everything was... Um, Everybody just kind of split at the end of shows, and there wasn't a ton. There was community, obviously, there, um, and I still have friends from there that will be lifelong friends. But um, the community just wasn't didn't feel as tight knit to me. So, um, when did your um, artistic bent first show itself? Oh, I mean, I grew up playing music. Um, my mom was a singer songwriter. Um, we spent nights instead of watching TV, we would sit around and play music and sing together. So. I, I mean, I started lovely. writing and writing songs was young as five. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. What so, kind of music? Um, mostly, mostly kind of folk ish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom was a child of the sixties, so right. there was a lot of folk, but she also, it was interesting because she played a range, everything from, I mean, she played her own music, but she also played Gordon Lightfoot and, sure. um, <laughs> and then in the eighties, Judas Priest. She right on. took a liking to Judas Priest and and Tears for Fears. She just had a really wide range. Of, wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Arizona Sun, mm-hmm. San Diego Sun, mm-hmm. Portland, Rusbit. <laughs> yeah, um, I actually it developed. Um, I'm on medication now where I shouldn't be in the sun very often, and I ended up getting heat stroke very easily. So that was a part of the factor for moving up up north and also my daughter was at osu so that was a huge pull oh no kidding yeah Yeah, sure yeah yeah she went to the vet school there she's a veterinarian so awesome yeah great uh and so how have you liked portland um i love it i love portland um i mean the writing community here 
there's a joke like you can't throw a rock without hitting a writer here and it's true there's just so many writers um so many different scenes to kind of go in and out of i've been kind of part of the music scene and the theater scene and the and the um the uh, the art scene and the um the of course the writing scene and just solid people everywhere you know i i haven't had too many bad experiences with people which is great um and i just i don't know i love it here i i guess my life sort of obviously you may have guessed centers around art and artistic expression and uh writing in particular so being in a place like portland where it's so vibrant and and just kind of everywhere is it feels i mean it's home right like mm-hmm. you know uh but you said you grew up with music mm-hmm. but like now you're talking about like you know writing 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 Jimmy thing like like when did that transition happen and why or was there a mm-hmm. specific reason that you can even look at um yeah i actually started writing more seriously kind of moving away from music and into writing like in my teens and it was more cathartic than anything else i had suffered some abuse and that kind of thing As it often is in your teens mm-hmm mm-hmm and uh, so I wrote, I, I moved away from writing metal songs like Heart's Blood. Yeah. And I'm sorry, um, did you say you suffered from some abuse? As... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, it, thank you. Thank you. Um, I, uh, yeah, I had some like physical and, and sexual abuse that I'm very open about. I'm writing a memoir about it. So it's it's out there. I've performed pieces about it across the country. And, um, but yeah, so that was kind of my start was, was that cathartic process. And I really truly believe in creativity as a cathartic process not just writing but i feel that everybody can find that within themselves whether it's cooking whether it's gardening whether it's writing or performing or you know i think that that's a very real thing right um so you uh got to portland followed followed your daughter your college age daughter up Mm -hmm. here um what drew you to community profile um, well, actually, it was um, a veteran named Sean Davis, who uh, was at the time host commander at post, um, oh my goodness, 134 um, over on Alberta. And um, he was doing a lot of community work at the time, and, and I had been hanging out there. There were a lot of writing events there. And uh, he he said, hey, this thing's happening um, at community, or at Profile Theater, and um I think that you should come and and participate. And he drew a bunch of us over and uh, no looking back. That's awesome. Um, So you did that one. And then the next year was, so what brought you to the second one? Um, Unconditional was a group of us who are chronically ill. Um, I have diabetes type two and I have some diabetic neuropathy and some other things happening. So um, that was something that felt very, very much at home in me um, and something that I had never really explored in my writing. So I thought that was something that um, that would be absolutely beneficial to me and to find some camaraderie around that. I hadn't had a community around that. And so I had felt very isolated and alone in it in a lot of ways. And it, the, the group, I'm like getting teary eyed. Um, we're still very close. Uh, we still keep in contact. Um, we, we still, you know, some of us get together and write still. Um, and that was a few years ago. So it's, it was, and then the actual process of unconditional and in writing that and seeing how it got edited and then performing it was just a phenomenal experience. That was amazing. Right. Did you perform your own? I did. I did. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, 
And then the next group? So the the queer cohort was great for me because I see myself as pansexual. So being able to be in a group, um, I present very femme. I have had mostly male partners. Um, and so, and I had been married for 16 years to, to a man and I had been divorced a couple of years. And a lot of people were like, wait, you, you date women too? You date other folks as well? And so it was a nice way to kind of express that part of me and be able to be in a group where that was recognized and right. acknowledged. Right. Fantastic. Um, and so you look like you've brought some stuff to share with us today. I did. You know, I always say that, like, I haven't asked people to bring stuff <laughs> with them. You know, like, I'm surprised. Oh, well, look what you have there. I just happened <laughs> to bring it. I just happened to walk by the studio with some of my writing in my hand. Um, and I'm just going to ask you, oh, well, look what you have there. Yes. So um, what did you bring us? So I brought a poem uh, called Matters of Life or Death. And um, it's... I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but it's um, sort of the juxtaposition of having, I had my daughter at 16, so juxtaposing that with um, the death of my father, uh, the man who abused me. So, like, there's, it's sort of a a joy and a sadness, sort of right. intermingled. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. We ready? Yep, we're ready. All right. Matters of life or death. One, when mom asked me, I could feel the couch scritch the backs of my thighs. I haven't had to make any emergency trips to the store for you for a while. Maybe we should go to the doctor? Her voice all mama bird protecting fragile egg. Her words shoving me out the nest. I fell from the edge of approval, heavy with her disappointment. Every branch I hit on the way down, a switch. Dulled silver skyscraper of a book. Title in pink loop-de-loos. To Kira with love. Abortion, adoption, or keeping the baby. Grandma's cursive on the inside. We thought this might help. I godzilla that thing away from me and their ideas of me, now us. Not me. I can't. Rub-rounding belly. I love you already. When you're 16 and in labor in a small town, your knees knock like someone seeking sanctuary. The creeper van you're riding to the hospital in is molasses, then jet-fueled, then molasses. When you give birth in a small town, your friend's mom is your nurse, your mom's friend is your doctor, your lab partner's brother is your anesthesiologist. When you're a teen mom... Every time you hold your daughter, she is unexpected, curled in the corner of your world labeled everything, forever. Two, May in the Mojave is no joke. Even in this sterility, sweat slicks the vinyl beneath my thighs. Death room chairs. I've been staring at the vending machine for two hours. A nurse kneels in front of me. Blocks B7 through D11. Kit Kats through Doritos. Those Doritos have to be stale. Her words string themselves between us. When I looked at your father, I didn't see a man who wanted to live. Memory of a nurse pushing me out of his room, telling me, you're not supposed to see this, but not before I watch Dad's eyes stallion. Tornado of his body bucks, twists in my mind. Neither did I. 
I say to no one. Take your time, talk with your family, and let us know your decision. His sister shakes her head. I can't. He's your father. You do it. My father. My abuser. Pull the plug. Playing God. Dress up in decision and pretend I know best. When you're deciding whether or not to kill the man who raised you, call everyone you trust and ribbon their stories through your hair. When you're deciding whether or not to kill your abuser, you put on your party shoes and call yourself on intent. When you say yes, pull the plug. Tie the tubing tight around your waist. Don't change your mind. Wrap every conversation where he said he wanted to die around your shoulders in case it gets any colder. Goodness gracious, Jessica. Oh, my God. That was uh, just really, really stunning. So much great imagery. Mm, the you. line about the skyscrapers, um, your daughter always being unexpected. She you know, still is. And, and, and everything. <laughs> Um, uh, I mean, that sounds like you had to dig deep for that one. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. was that process of writing that like? Um, I was writing it actually during, um, a workshop. And so the initial writing was just a kind of off the cuff. But then when I went back to edit it, that's when I really started pulling deeper and getting to the part about, um, for instance, uh, talking about calling myself on intent. Um, that was that that was some serious um, soul searching, even in writing it. Um, but like they say, no tears in the writing, no tears in the reader, right? <laughs> uh, but the process was it was it was definitely cathartic, and it was interesting sharing it with others for the first time because the performance came out very similar to what you just heard and it felt very visceral um it still does when i read it um and i can feel those emotions still like pulling at me the, the like you know the part about my daughter being unexpected for and you know everything forever and that's still true you know and there's still moments where it's like did I do the right thing did I you know make the right decision and I um I remembered making those phone calls and just talking to anyone and everyone you know um trying to make you know just bouncing the ideas off of people and and um and getting their feedback was so important and um both in the actual moment making the phone calls, but also in the process of writing and the workshop was, uh, was crucial to, it really helped me narrow things down and take out some of the things that were emotional for me, but not necessarily best for the piece, which I think a lot of writers know this, um, you know, they call it what, killing your darlings, right? Mm -hmm. Um, or babies, your babies. Yeah. 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 And, um, it, it was really important to have those other voices and those other opinions to do that and hone it to, to what I think is a fairly decent piece. So. Well, I feel like uh, that poem has like just moments of gift, mm, you know, you. just there's some extraordinary lines in there. Um, and that whole part about uh, the nurse trying to get you out of the room because mm -hmm. you're not supposed to see this. It's, it's such a weird thing about our society, how much... Um, how we, you know, we, we become more and more, quote, un, more and more, quote, civilized, and we get more and more separated from life. Right. 
you know, I remember as I read a book called uh, like smoke gets in your eyes or something. Um, and it was just about death, mm-hmm. you know, and this woman worked in a crematorium and she just talked about that, how, you know, it used to be people used to die in their homes. Right. So right. all that stuff that, you know, used to just, it used to happen in your house and you had to clean up the mess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and nowadays, you know, we sent that off to the hospital mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. where it's cleaned up. It's interesting because one of the things that helped me with my dad, like I, I couldn't get the image of, cause I was there when he died and I couldn't get the image of his last moments out of my head. And my, my cousin and I, who were both very close to him, um, and both had our issues with him. Uh, we each pulled one of the oxygen tubes out of his nostrils after he was gone. And for some reason, that moment just would not leave me. And I drew it. I drew his face in the way I remembered it. And I would show people, look at this, it, you know, like, like approve this, make this okay. Like, you know, and people just looked at me weird, like, why would you draw that? And I, I feel like everybody has connections to death. But we do. We try to push them away. Um, like I remember the Victorian death photographs, right? Like we used to, we used to prop people up and dress them up and take pictures of them. Um, and so that was, I feel like, sort of akin to that. Yeah, in, in a way. Yeah, and it's you know, and uh, and that seems like something that should be part of our lives. It would Absolutely. probably make it easier. At the same time, I think back, you know, and it's like. At the same time, we also don't go to why people get burned at the stake anymore. So uh, maybe <laughs> there's true. some pluses to it, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We will be right back with Jessica Rich. Compassion, the desire to help. It's part of Portland's DNA. It's also at the heart of what Central City Concern does every day. Last year, they helped over 13,000 people experiencing or at risk for homelessness get back on track, providing health care housing, and employment opportunities. But they can't do it alone. Go to their website at centralcityconcern.org to learn how you can be part of the solution. And we're back to Voices from the Real World with Jessica Rich. Uh, Oh, here it was. Um, When you're deciding whether or not to kill the man who raised you, call everyone you trust and ribbon their stories through your hair. Outstanding. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wow. It was like, what an image. Um, you know, so often I feel like uh, we, when we talk about um, healing, when we talk about overcoming trauma, we talk about it as though it was a destination that you arrived at. Right. And um, I'm just wondering, was it that way for you or is it just an ongoing process that you still do do with it today? And like, was this poem someplace where you arrived at or is the poem another step along the journey? Oh, absolutely. A step along the journey. I don't think any I don't think trauma leaves. Um, I firmly believe that. I think that we can incorporate it into our lives and in positive ways. for instance, I uh, I think of it as like having a limp, right? Right. That that you walk with, but you can still walk. Um, I I, for instance, I do workshops, creative workshops with folks, um, and have for years. Uh, 
to try and get at that cathartic process for people. Um, I've worked, I've done that in houseless shelters, in uh, youth youth centers. Uh, currently, I work at what well, work? I volunteer. Um, we do weekly workshops at a local mental health organization, and um, that's. I think it's vital, and not only does it help the participants. But I consider myself a participant, and it helps me as well. Um, there's, as we know from community profile, there's that bonding that happens when there's a group that gets together and creates together and goes over those the traumas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always have to be trauma. It can be, I'm reading right now Ross Gay's Book of Delights. It can be delights. It can be little pieces of joy, and and sometimes they're intermingled with the trauma. Right. Um, it's it's a complex thing. It's not super simple. Um I think one of the things that is most striking in my memoir that I'm working on that I come to again and again is that my father did some horrible things to me, awful, unspeakable, but we laughed. We had great conversations about science fiction, about God, about poetry, right? Um, And he wasn't all bad. He was a person. You know, I think when we give names like monsters to people we dehumanize them and take away some of that accountability (laughs) and some of their humanity and so i long ago stopped i I used to think of him as a monster but i don't anymore because there were good times and he was a complex person he had things done to him when he was little that he didn't know how to process um and i have a piece where i talk about how he had to put some of his sorrow into me right and I feel that that's that's a process that I that I have stopped and broken. Uh, but again, I do believe it's a journey. I right. sort of got off track there, but <laughs> no, you didn't. I don't but, think so. I don't think you did at all. Yeah. And it's funny. I feel like that process that you're talking about with the word monstrous and, and mm-hmm. how it dehumanizes people, and the words on the other side do the same thing, mm-hmm. like words like Messiah and right. hero, angel, and mm-hmm. saint. You know, um, these are all words to take away accountability. Right. Right. You know, exactly. And, um, uh, and responsibility is like, no, you have to do that work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's on you and, and you're capable. Right. Exactly. You know, uh, cause you know, I, um, I remember getting into an argument with somebody once and they were talking about how, you know, MLK wasn't perfect. He cheated on his wife. Mm-hmm. And like, for me, I was like, you know, that makes him greater. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because he was just a dude. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, um, uh, and do I, am I, do I think it's cool that he did? No, I don't. But I know, but I know like he was just like me and brings, it brings people to your level, right? Right. Uh, we all struggle with things. You know, um, um yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's hard mm-hmm. and, and it's complicated, you know, and it's like, it's like you uh, talking about your dad right now. Um, uh, I don't know what the word is, but I'm really like happy or something for you or grateful for you mm-hmm. that you have reached this place now mm-hmm. where you are working with the whole person at least. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? um, it, I mean, I've, you know, uh, both my parents are lovely people still alive. Um, uh, I've, I've never had like gone through this period where like, where you thought they were, you know, a monster Mm-hmm. But and, you know, and then had to find and then had to find out for yourself, had to teach yourself that that you know it was more complicated reality than that. Right, right. Well, and to find gratitude 
I'm right. grateful for him. He, huh. uh, my mom had chronic illness. She had a horrible last six years of her life. He took care of her. He worked three jobs to make sure that she had the medicine she needed, the care she needed. You know, some people might do the thing, the opposite, hold him up as a saint, right? Um, in that regard. But I'm grateful for him for doing that. Am I angry still? Well, yeah, of course. Of course. It's not, that doesn't go away. And that's what I mean by like, it does, I don't think it goes away. It's just how you choose to incorporate it into your life. And I think it's really important to acknowledge the good and the bad. Um, because, I mean, like we've been saying, people are complex. People are people. Everybody, you know, um, like people talk about you meet your heroes and then they fall. I don't think they fall. I think you just can see eye to eye. Huh. You know? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's why, you know, like certain people, uh, like for me, a, a big person in my life uh, was Prince. Yes, absolutely. Figure, you know, never wanted to meet him, <laughs> you know, uh, because right. he was a big person in my life, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and there were times when he was my best friend. Right. You know, and he yeah. didn't even know, you know, mm -hmm. like didn't want to meet him. Keep him right there where he was. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> yeah. And that's yes. great that you can see that and yeah. know that. Um, and, and also see the difference, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you didn't go running up to, uh, you know, his his spot and be like, hey, yo, yeah. friend, you know, what's up? <laughs> let's, let, let, let's be on this other level. Right. Which right. has to be earned and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? um, uh, Really um, extraordinary poem, mm. Jessica. Thank you. And... Um, I thank you so much for bringing it and sharing it and, and talking about it, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and man, you know, if you have, uh, other stuff that, that's, <laughs> uh, that's ever like produced or something, uh -huh. um, what all kind of writing have you done? Um, I've done just about everything. I have some, um, poetry out there that's published. Well, I have a lot of poetry out there that's published. I have some fiction, some, uh, some pieces from the memoir that have been published, like kind of excerpts. Um, I've got some other podcasts I've done. What's the name of the memoir? Uh, the memoir will be um, <laughs> Notes from a House Where Silence is Failing. If I can get Good a title. publisher that will keep that title. So, yeah. yeah. Do, do people want to change the title? Uh, a lot of times publishers do. They'll change, they'll change titles or they're, you know. Depending on what they think will definitely hold out for that one. That's a good title. That's a good title. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That actually comes from a poem I did forever ago, but yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, Jessica Rich, mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I love Community Profile and thank you for what you're doing. And that is it for this edition of Voices from the Real World, the real people telling their real stories. Thank you to Jessica Rich and to our production team, Jamie M. Ray, line producer, Robert A.K. Gano, sound engineer, Rodi Ortega, composer, and Christopher Hart, our recording engineer at the Willamette Radio Workshop in Portland, Oregon, which exists on the traditional lands of Multnomah, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Tumwater, and Malala bands of the Chinook peoples, the Tualatin band of the Kalapuya peoples, and many other tribes who made their homes along the Columbia River. We acknowledge the ancestors and survivors of this place and recognize that we are here because of the sacrifices forced upon them and we honor their descendants who live on. To hear more podcasts, go to profiletheater.org slash on air where you'll find 
other episodes of Voices from the Real World or Satellite Beyond the Page, as well as um, like plays that we have on there. Be sure to check those out. If you have feedback or suggestions for me, I'm taking all comers. Just write me at bobbyb at profiletheater.org. One love and peace out.